0: Broadcasting from the AnyUp Up! Studio, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player, with your host, Joe Scales.
1: Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, January 20th. I'm Joe Scales, and I'll be taking over the hosting duties from now on. I'm excited about today's show. We're going to mix things up a little bit, but not too much. Elliot Schechter will be here to resurrect the call the floor segment. We're going to break down a hand of the week with a new perspective from Tay Whiteside, and we'll jump into a new segment called how you run it, where we'll talk to several people across the country to see what the poker scene looks like there. Finally, we'll close out the show with a segment called Joe's one outer, where I'll talk about a particular subject I think is important each week. This week, it's in response to a post on the AnyUp Fans Facebook page. But before we get to any of those, we're going to start with a segment called Table Talk. So, let's get into it.
0: Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk.
1: For this segment, I've enlisted the most talkative guy at our table. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Joe. Thanks for having me on with you today. Let me let me tell you guys, Mike and I have been friends for a long time, and we've played a lot of cards over the years. We've played anywhere from nickels and dimes to just loads of money on the table. Uh, I'd say one of us has gotten better at poker over that time, and one of us likes to talk. So this segment works out. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Joe, I appreciate you saying that. I've, uh, I've really been working hard on my game. <laughs> well, I meant you were the talker, but I guess, uh, we'll, we'll see which one's which. Oh, okay. Seriously though.
2: Congratulations on Annie. This is, it's freaking awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. Uh, uh, I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, I know that we used to be on the road to playing games uh, in one place or the other, and you would play episodes of the Up pod- podcast for me and, uh, just, and listen to those guys. And now am you know, it's like, okay, so for you to be doing the show now, it's like, God, it's
1: gotta be a great feeling to you, man. It's, it's pretty surreal. It really is. And I mean, I feel like I, I've said it so much that I, and I don't want it to lose its meaning, when I say it over and over, but, uh, the fans have been the best part. I, I know I mentioned to Scott and Chris last week, um, the fans, the, they're the A team of fans. So I'm just going to always call them the A team. The A team. All right, guys. I
2: hope you're enjoying that because I'm going to, I'm going to sign up. I want to be an A team. That's right. <laughs> you know, I got to thinking about it and I know that, that this section of the show table talk, <laughs> you know, I love table talk and, there's always something, and I know your fans out there listening, yep. that they will send some stuff in. Say, hey, I, yeah, there was this guy next to me the other day, and he's talking this trash and this trash. We love table talk, no matter whether it's sports, women, men. I'd like to, for just today's segment, what I'd like to do is just let the fans get to know you a little better so that they know who's coming into this, okay? So let me... Let me just ask you a few questions to get this party started, okay? Absolutely. Kind of give the folks out here that don't know you and I know just you know, what's your name and and, you know what what's going on? You you where are you from? Where are you where are you now?
1: Well, um I'm from a little nowhere town in Kansas. Ended up found my way to the east coast over here in in Virginia. Just because I am from Kansas doesn't mean that I know Dorothy, so <laughs> that we can get that question out of the way. Yeah, but you know the tin <laughs> man, I bet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the scarecrow. Okay. i played a lot of poker with you. I've played a lot of poker in general. Um, I've, I've always been in marketing my whole life, so um, this gives me the opportunity to combine the two together, so it's, it's a perfect opportunity. That's awesome. I'm
2: not gonna get into the uh the hows and the whys and all that stuff. But um this has been a dream to you, I know, because you used to tell me when we yep. were driving. Oh man, I'd love to do something like this. And I'm talking about a couple of years ago, you know, even. And up in right. just right. six months ago we went up the road, heading up there to uh to that casino. And <laughs> it was playing and you're like, Man, I'd like to do that one day. Oh my
1: God. Look at you now. You're doing it. That's true. Tell me how easy it has been. (laughs) I'll tell you, this is another one of those things I've said over and over again, but uh, I have worked a lot of hours doing this, but it hasn't felt like work at all. And, you know, they say, love what you're doing and you never work a day in your life. But uh, I, I never knew what that was like until now.
2: We'll just leave it at that right now with as far as getting to know you and talking about that. We're going to get off the poker thing for just a minute. Let's talk a little bit about sports. The 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 NFL playoffs are coming up, aren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. And I'll tell ta- you, wanna- so you want to. So, here's another thing. Here's a little, another little tidbit, right? Just cuz I'm from Kansas doesn't mean I'm a Chiefs fan. Just throw that out there right now. Hold on a minute. Hold on. I got somebody want to say something to you about that.
2: <laughs> that was your mama.
1: <laughs>
2: uh who are you a fan of? Uh,
1: been a Bills fan yeah. forever. B- suffered through their four Super Bowl losses and uh hoping this year's different. Nice. Well, who do you hope they don't come up against in the Super Bowl if they do, make Well, my super my Super Bowl picks at the beginning of the uh, playoffs was uh the Bills and the 49ers. So, that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for.
2: Huh. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I'm a Rams fan.
1: Yeah. You know where I'm at. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but you had last year, so it's okay. Uh, okay,
2: yeah, it's okay. It's, uh, yeah, we did have last year. Now, there's a lot of sports around the post table people talk about. What have you heard lately around? Uh, I know you've been to some games uh, lately that uh, I haven't been able to get to. And what kind of chatter have you uh, have you been privy to out there in your area? You
1: You brought up the playoffs. The sports betting, all, all of the sports books that are out there, they have really changed the talk around a table because so many people have bets out there now. It used to be that was conversation. Now it's, it's serious conversation because just about every state you can make a sports bet in now. Yep. There's something going on about
2: everywhere, certainly. I, that's it. I know if we... We we need to get on with the rest of the show. I understand that, uh, and uh, I'm going to sign my big mouth off. I'm so happy that you're doing this.
1: I appreciate it, man. And uh, um, we'll talk. We'll talk again next week. And love to the A team. That's right.
0: Now it's time for call the floor with Elliot Schechter.
1: Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He's been the one to give the feedback on Call the Floor segment for quite some time, and he's back to continue that now. Hey, Elliot. Hi there. You know, you were one of my first contacts after taking over, Annie. up. I was so glad to hear that you were willing to continue the Call the Floor segment. But this is one of the few times that you actually get to do it on the show, right?
3: Uh, Quite infrequently. Uh, Very rare.
1: Before we get into the actual call-the-floor question, tell me a little bit about River Schenectady, where you're at, and um, what you guys have coming up.
3: Well, uh, we're in Schenectady, which is roughly uh, uh, 20 miles from uh, Albany, New York, the state capital. Uh, We've been open almost six years now, uh, discounting uh, a year and a half uh, of downtime for the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, We have a 16-table room, and we have a very steady local crowd. We get a a lot of good cash action, uh, and now we're finally expanding into uh, uh, tournaments once again.
1: That's good to hear. Absolutely. Being located where you are, what's that weather like?
3: It is chilly, especially for this Florida kid. I grew up in Miami Beach, (laughs) so this is tough. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it gets below freezing every single night during the winter, and right now we're under a heavy snow advisory uh, that's supposed to turn to ice at some point overnight.
1: Oh, I, I don't think I could handle that.
3: <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fan.
1: <laughs> well, let's get into this hand, uh, or this, uh, this call to the floor. Um, it's sent in by uh, William Service of... Ohio it looks like and uh, he says I'm in a hand with two other players I'm the middle position against the big blind and cutoff so I'm second to act after plenty of action on prior streets we all check the river the player in the cutoff says I check and immediately turns his cards over announcing that he has a pair The the big blind looks at me and asks what I have I explain that he must show first, but we end up in a standoff of sorts, neither wanting to show. Eventually, I show my hand in order to not cause any further issues, but I feel like I was bullied into giving information that I didn't want to. What's the actual order that the hands are supposed to be shown in, and am I wrong to not want to show my hand in that situation?
3: Okay, Uh, William or Bill, whatever you'd like to be called, Uh, this this is a fairly standard situation Uh, on the river uh, at showdown hands get turned over in order from either the last bet or if there was no bet on that round, it starts from the player in worst position under the gun closest to the button. So uh, if the big blind uh, was there and the small blind was not at the river, uh, the big blind is obligated to show their hand first. Uh, you are absolutely correct to want to see that hand first, regardless of the player after you, the cutoff, showing theirs. Uh, I don't feel you are bullied so much as pressured. And in the future, I highly recommend you stand up to that pressure with equal pressure. If the big blind, the player in bad position, doesn't want to show their hand, please offer them a chance to muck their cards. They don't have to show, but if they don't show you, they don't get to win the pot. They're in bad position. They chose to play. That's the way it works. Otherwise we could wait 60 minutes to to a whole day waiting for people to turn the cards over. That's just never going to happen.
1: Right. Right. I do feel like, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry situation. Like you said, um, I, I think it happens a lot though, where you'll see it almost turns into like a game of, of chicken I guess, but uh, I don't know how long the standoff was that uh, that he mentions. But
3: And at Showdown, every second feels like a minute.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So it might have been 15
3: seconds. It probably felt like five minutes. Well, I better show just to get on with this. Right. So it might not have been an entirely long time.
1: That's true. That's true.
3: But... There's no reason to let people get away with this.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the
3: game is supposed to be fun, but it's also supposed to follow the rules so that it's nice and orderly and fair for everyone. If somebody's trying to attempt a slow roll or gain information that they shouldn't be getting unless a hand is shown to win the pot, uh, you've got to be able to speak up and ask the dealer to enforce the rules. And if the dealer's not going to do it, make sure the dealer gets the floor. Uh, We're going to make sure this gets solved and solved quickly. We don't want our time wasted for a whole bunch of reasons. If hands aren't being dealt, we're not producing revenue. So we have a vested interest in this also.
1: Right. That makes sense. Well, William, I hope that uh, takes care of your question. And um, if anyone else has any questions or situations that they would like Elliot to address, just send it to us at podcast at com. Thanks, Elliot. You're quite welcome.
0: Let's break it down with Hand of the Week.
1: Hand of the Week is going to look a little bit different. We're going to get a different perspective with Tay. Let's face it, every one of us has been the fish at the table at some point, right? We were all learning the game at some point, looking to get better, and that may even be where some of you are now. But it's hard to go back and get into the mind of that player you were then, exactly what you were thinking when you made one decision or another. Now, when you have someone new at the tables and they make those decisions that make you scratch your head, you start wondering why or what they were thinking. Well, we're going to break this hand down with Tay, and he's more of a novice player, and I think it's going to make all of us a better poker player because we're going to get the insight from the mind of the quote-unquote fish. And Tay, as well as other less experienced players, they're going to get to learn to think about the action around the table a little bit differently as well. So let's jump into this one.
4: Hey, everybody. I'm new to the show and a uh, relatively amateur uh, poker player. Played for a long time, but not a good time. <laughs> I make a lot of questionable decisions that the pros would probably criticize. But hey, that's that's what it's all about, right? So Joe and I will be talking through the hands of the week and uh, we'll see what we would do in these situations. Sounds good. What do we have first? All right. Well, I'll read the first one. The first one was sent in by Ray Parsons. Uh, We're playing a tournament level six, two, four, four Uh, stack is 30,000. That's our stack. And so middle position with 12,000 opens for 900. So as you just explained to me, he met the 400 big blind and then raised an additional 500. Correct. Right. Solid player with lots of patience. Scary. We're in the cutoff holding the jack of clubs, 10 of clubs. So jack 10 suited. What would you do?
1: Most of the time, I call all day long. J- Jack ten suit is just too fun to play, especially when we have position throughout the hand. Uh, so most most of the time, I'm going to take a flop with this hand, then reevaluate. Right, but in this case, we're up against a solid player, so probably a low chance of getting paid when the straight or the flush get there. Also, I don't know. We're probably We're probably likely to be dominated by a middle position opener here, so making one pair could cost us a bunch. So I'm going to make a raise, something like a three x or four x.
4: Oh, bold, bold move, Cotton. (laughs)
1: He's the the the, I guess the reason that it's tough though is because he only has that twelve thousand behind. We don't want to build the pot too high because it'll scare him away Um, or get him to just shove anyway and i i don't want to play a hand like that for all all the chips so um yeah i probably i probably go 2700 here um yeah
4: which is a 3x raise yeah hmm i need to put myself in the position of playing this level of poker <laughs> <'Cause> it, <laughs> you know when you play with friends for 20 bucks it's like you're a little more frugal with your money
1: right. or, or um uh,
4: <laughs> liberal with your money. Um I see why you do that, right? So we've got 30,000. Right. He's sitting on 12. So we've got a little more to play with. And he might be trying to make a bold move to make up some ground possibly.
1: Right, but it's, I mean he he does mention that he's a he's a solid player. He's got Lots a lot of, of patience. patience. So Guess how confident are we in a in a jack ten of clubs? Right. So, not a bad hand. Right. The thing is, it's got a lot of possibilities. Um, So even if he's you know making that kind of a move with uh, ace queen or or ace jack, we we jack ten
4: could be beat. We definitely
1: we we definitely have room to be able to uh, outdraw him for sure.
4: So I I mean left to my own devices, I probably would have. I would have at least called, but a call kind of doesn't send the same message as a 3x raise by any means. A call is sort of like, all right, I'll keep playing, but I may not be so confident in we're, my hand. Whereas your move is like, all right, I see what you're doing and I'm here to make a statement. Right.
1: And we're, we're going to get some information to see what he does as well.
4: And we can afford a 2700 triple pretty easily.
1: Right. Obviously, if he comes in and, and jams over the top of us, then then we still can fold and not be hurt too bad. Yeah,
4: I want to see the real-time consequences of our actions. Well, what does he do? We raise to $2,700. <laughs> <laughs> 3 times they're open. Small blind and big blind both fold. Original raiser calls. So it gets back around to the same guy he calls, meaning I'm, I'm done. Right, so now we get to see a flop. Great. The flop is king of hearts, seven of clubs, ten of spades. So there is one club in there. It's a seven, though we've got a pair of 10s, middle position player checks. So they didn't see anything that excited them.
1: Yeah. And what would you do? We were the, uh, we were the aggressor there. So, we, you know, we got to keep up the aggression to some right. degree. Um, that's
4: where I mess up as an amateur a lot. I'll make a bold move and then get nervous and then, back off. And then just like coast. <laughs> yeah. I think I, sit, I, that's a pretty we,
1: common mistake. I would say. Yeah. Um, we definitely, I mean, we've, we've hit middle pair, so we have a pair of 10s. Mm-hmm. Um, Which isn't nothing. Right. I think a continuation bet here on the King High Flop is basically um, necessary. We, we have to do that. Uh, I might size it down a little bit. I still think if we do that, he still folds out most of most of if not all of his ace highs that miss uh, i don't think he's going to go crazy with anything with uh with his stack size so yeah i think think i'm going to size down a little bit but still keep the keep the pressure on then if he does have a king we don't we don't lose as much
4: see the i feel like the again the amateur would see a k if you have a king and you see a king on the flop you get excited You're like, all right, awesome pair of kings. I'm gonna start betting. Being that he has a lot of patience, that feels like a a, a top level move. If you have a king, you see another king, but you but you call as if to not raise eyebrows. Right, right. That's a that's a nice move.
1: So he checked to us, and before the flop, we made it twenty seven hundred. Yeah. So that makes the pot, uh, let's see, 27, 27. And then the blind, so 6,400, I believe.
4: Um, I'm hoping you're quick with math. I'm good <laughs> um, at math, but I need to write it down.
1: I, I actually, I think I'm going to make it 21 uh, on this one. I'm still going to keep the aggression, but downsize it so we don't lose as much if he has a king.
4: All right. I mean, yeah, I knowing now what I know now, you know, and trying to avoid pitfalls I've made in the past, like taking the foot off the gas once you've floored it for a for a round. Yeah, I would probably keep some pressure on based off no uh, real science. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, then what happens next with a middle pair? I bet 2000 and he calls. So they bet 2000. So clearly not being scared away very uh, quickly Correct. Or easily. The turn is eight of clubs, and he checks. So, eight of clubs. So now there's seven clubs, eight of clubs, and we have ten jack of clubs. So we we've st- got... We've got a flush working, working right. on a
1: flush. So, so our pair of tens turn into a pair of tens and a flush draw and or straight flush draw. So we've got to feel pretty good about the outs that we have now.
4: So a flush draw, right. i.e. An incomplete, almost complete flush right. is still worth something.
1: Sure, it gives us you know at least nine more outs. Uh, so if we hit that club on the river, we're we're golden. If we hit another ten, we feel pretty good about that. And and if we hit a jack, then I feel pretty decent about that as well. Unfortunately, we're playing a tournament, so if we hit that nine of clubs, we're not going to get the high hand and uh, make a little extra money. He started the hand with 12000 and he has...
4: He's got a lot on the table. That's an investment.
1: Yeah. so I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to, for him to go anywhere. If we bet, he's probably putting it in no matter what. Right. Um,
4: Because the further he rides this train, he might could just go, you know, that last resort, the Hail Mary, is to scare us off with an all-in.
1: Man, I was so ready to just shut it down on the street. You know, I was hoping for a check, check. Now we've hit this card, um, gives us a straight flush draw, and and if we hit any flush, then I don't think he calls. So if we're going to get any more money in there, we've got to put it in now. Yeah, I guess that's that's what I do as I I just have to shove put him all in here. Well, here's
4: what Ray Parsons did. He thought about it for a minute and then we go all in for the 7200. My thought is he won't call 4000, he will shove over the top or fold. So I'd rather be the aggressor in the hand. He calls and the river bricks out doubling him up. What's bricks out mean? Uh so not only for me but for the people at home.
1: So we didn't hit our flush <laughs> We didn't hit our flush, but he didn't tell us what the. I'm assuming bricks out had. means. Jump. So so yeah, brick out means the a brick is just a card that didn't help anybody. Um, it's like a blank or air. So it bricks out, but he doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us what the opponent has. Tells us that he won.
4: So he doubled up, meaning he won. The other person did. Yeah. yeah. And we lost that. Um, I want to know how.
1: Ray, tell us how. So he must have had uh, king. Yeah.
4: A king could have taken it, right? Just a single king.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Because it was,
4: again, king of hearts, seven of clubs, ten of spades, eight of clubs, and then a brick in the river. Whatever that might mean. Come on, Ray, you're holding out on us.
1: (laughs) Ray, Ray. And then he goes, did I make a mistake to put
4: him in there?
1: So he's wanting to know if he made a mistake by putting them all in, Mm. but well,
4: I guess you could look at it that way now because he lost.
1: I mean, one of the hardest things in poker is to not look at things as results oriented. I don't think he gets the money if he doesn't put them all in there anyway.
4: On a smaller scale, I've played that exact round a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's our hand of the week for this week. Thank you, Tay, for joining me on this one. And if you have a hand of the week that you would like us to break down, send it to podcast at com. The
0: question is,
1: how you running? We're gonna visit with our ambassadors in different areas and see what their poker scene looks like. Let's start with the Midwest. So Bob Popper is our ambassador for the Midwest. Hey Bob, how you doing? Hey
5: great Joe, how are
1: you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh hey listen, I know you're down in Florida right now, probably tearing up the poker scene down there,
5: so first things first, how you running this year? Well, uh, I'm fortunate to be out of the Midwest and down in Florida for a while. A little hiatus uh, from the cold weather. And actually, I'm, I'm running pretty well down here. There's more poker than I uh, ever imagined down here. And um, I'm having a good time. I'm having a ball. I've, I've done well in a couple of tournaments, lasted long, went pretty deep in a few. And uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun down here. Actually, uh, there's some of the old poker room managers from the Midwest. That are down here uh, people that might remember uh, Dom Nero uh, who was up in the Illinois Indiana area and Daryl Donnelly uh, Daryl's down here in uh, the villages area as a poker room manager Dom is down a little farther south Tampa way I believe and uh, so there's that Midwest presence here and I can tell you personally as, as a player I'm so excited that uh, Antioch is coming back. Uh, Obviously, one of the premier poker resources uh, in the country. And uh, so I'm glad that it's coming back. And certainly as an ambassador and a contributor, I'm honored to to be able to to join the team. Well, I appreciate that. I am
1: happy that we can be doing this again, too. And actually, some of the uh, long-time listeners may know you, and and I know you've been working with uh, Joe Gertoga, better known as Chicago Joe. I know you guys have been working pretty hard out there, uh, getting me some information for the Midwest and Chicago area. But you've actually been writing professionally since what 1975, right?
5: Yeah, right, uh, right after I got out of college, I got a degree in journalism, uh, but uh, followed a per- uh, a career in uh, the steel industry, but wanted to keep my fingers loose uh, on the keyboard back then. So I wrote uh, uh, sports columns for a syndicated newspaper in Chicago, one actually that was uh, uh, eventually purchased by the Chicago Sun-Times. And I I covered, I had a bowling column a couple times a week. I covered the NHRA and the WWF, uh, horse racing, and anybody that remembers one of the old wrestlers, Wahoo McDaniels, uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniels. I covered his last wrestling event in Hammond, Indiana at the Hammond Civic Center, and the Killer Bees were there, and I just had a good time doing this. Um, I, I wanted to get involved uh, when the poker craze started with Moneymaker, um, writing about poker, but nobody really seemed to care much about the Midwest. They They kind of treated us like chopped liver, and you know, card player and Annie up and bluff, and everybody had their venues and wanted to do Vegas and the West Coast and everywhere else where they think uh, they thought poker was uh, more predominant. And um, nobody seemed to really want to give us an opportunity. A card player told me about a new upstart magazine uh, that was coming out. They said contact them. I did. Uh, it was called Top Pair, and in two thousand five, they uh, hooked me up. They said, we'd love to cover the Midwest. Uh, card player only had their riverboat gambler column, and we started covering the Midwest. Uh, the rest is history. I did a little with the HPT, as Chicago Joe and I did. Uh, when they came into the Midwest area, we did a, a couple of things with the James boys. And uh, it, it's, it's been so much fun. It, it's just absolutely uh, a labor of love
1: yeah you were kind of the pioneer in the the midwest then uh but since you have begun this career here in the poker world um you've you've had the opportunity to interview some of the biggest names in poker but uh who would you say is the best
5: interview in your mind oh wow joe that's uh that's a tough one i I was fortunate enough to 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 be around in o five with with Many of the old-time names, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Moneymaker, uh, certainly Mike Sexton was around back then. I, I was fortunate enough to interview Doyle uh, back in the day, and Jack Binion was a wonderful guy, obviously a pioneer in the industry. People like Negranu and Helmuth and Greg Rayner and, and uh, Cindy Violet and Amir Vahidi, They're, all those old-time guys, I don't know that I could pick one. But I'll tell you who, in my mind, uh, the important people are in our industry and certainly for our players um, are the poker room managers that really do all the grunt work and do the setting up of uh, the arenas and the venues for our players, making sure they're comfortable, uh, they have attractive uh, surroundings and tournaments, and, and those are the guys. Guys, uh, again, back in 05, like uh, Hemel Patel, who was out at uh, Hollywood Aurora, And uh, he moved now. He's uh, now the poker room manager at Rivers Casino, uh, which is up in Des Plaines, Illinois. That's a great, great venue. Um, They've got uh, uh, some of the premier high-limit games now that are attracting uh, nationwide attention. Uh, They've got a 25-50 no-limit game Friday and Saturday, really, in a private uh, area in the casino and also a twenty-five fifty PLO. You don't find that in many places. And then Mike Soto, uh, who was in the Illinois, Indiana area at a Harrah's facility, went out to manage in Vegas at Harrah's and came back. And now he's a manager at horseshoe. So guys like that are, are, I think the cream of the crop and they really make, uh, make the players happy. Those are the guys that really do the, do the work and they're, they're
1: fun to interview. Right. And they, they I'm sure they have tons of stories to tell too. Uh, so,
5: Absolutely.
1: Okay. Well, like I said, you and Chicago Joe, you've been out there working hard, getting lots of information to me. And uh it sounds like the poker scene in the Midwest is really
5: thriving. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, certainly coming back uh post COVID, um even, Pre-COVID, it, it started to diminish a little bit. I, I think poker started to lose its enthusiasm, and uh, it, it just started to wane a little bit and waver a little bit, but uh, you know, certainly COVID didn't help. But now, post-COVID, uh, it's it's going like gangbusters, and uh, there are new casinos in, in Chicago, in Indiana, of course, across the country as well, um, bellies. In Chicago is, is planning a 20-room, uh, or I'm sorry, 20-table poker room uh, in 2026. I know that's a little way down the road. Hard Rock and Rockford um, is going to have a uh, poker room probably next year. Uh, Hollywood Joliet is going to reopen uh, their poker room in a land-based casino. They, they closed recently uh, and they're going to reopen again. And uh, Wind Creek, Chicagoland South which is uh, right in the stomping grounds of Chicago Joe and me, uh, is going to open probably September of this year. So that's just a little bit in the Illinois area. Um, The Indiana uh, casinos are also uh, expanding. Uh, There's certainly been a a horseshoe in Indianapolis has has put 20 tables together, and they've got uh, some good things going on there. And just to let you know, uh, the WSOP is coming back in our area. Grand Victoria is going to host um, an event up there, and they're going to be two stops in Indiana, Caesars in southern Indiana, May 11th through the 22nd, and then Horseshoe in Hammond, actually, is sooner than that, February 23rd through March 6th, and in addition, if you're going from Illinois or Indiana and you want to just take a left-hand turn, go to the MSPT at the Hollywood Casino in St. Louis, uh, that's February 2nd through the 5th, and um, run into an old-time buddy who was with the HPT in Jeremy. Uh, Most of the people will know Jeremy.
1: Sounds like there is a ton of action there in the Midwest. Well, listen, thank you, Bob, for all of that work. I know uh, we'll be checking back in a few weeks for for the Midwest area again, but uh, if you don't mind, um, we'll reach back out next week and uh see what things look like in florida since that's where you're down there right now absolutely fine with me all right sounds good
5: all right thank you thank you joe take care
1: all right frankie the fox is our southwest ambassador uh he's covering texas oklahoma louisiana and new mexico uh frankie how you doing Doing good doing good joe all right well, I, I heard you were down there in Choctaw playing the the WSOP circuit main event down there. So uh, so my first question to you is how are you running? Actually, in that uh, in that uh, WSOP series, I I ran pretty good.
6: And, and it's funny because Choctaw has always been a place where I really don't run good. I'm snake bit there for some reason. I have no <laughs> idea why. But uh, in this main event, there were... Fourteen hundred and ninety-one entries in the seventeen hundred dollar uh, uh, tournament, and I cashed twenty-six. So, uh, congratulations! I, I think thank you. I think I've taken the Choctaw Chimp off my back, but we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got to have one, more than one to 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 know for sure. So we'll keep checking in on that one. So I introduced you as as Frankie the Fox, um, and that's what a lot of people know you as. Uh, how how did that? name come about
6: so back in uh i believe it was 08 uh this was back when winstar was running and promoting the the river series pretty heavy and uh this was my first legal organized tournament that i sat in and it was uh 2200 entries i think so it was a huge event and during that tournament i actually final tabled it And, um, which was great, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't believe, uh, how, how I got there, but, uh, anyways, uh, not to belabor the point, the, the, the tournament was, uh, the first one to ever be, uh, shot for TV. So once we assembled, once they assembled the final table and set it up, the producer asked, Hey, do any of you have any interesting names or anything interesting you want to be called? And there was a few people that popped up because they were establishing that name or that brand, however they want what, what they wanted to call herself. And I came up with the Fox. So uh, and it was it was funny because Annie Duke and a local sportscaster named Norm Hitskus were doing the commentary for TV. And it was just funny to hear Annie Duke refer to refer to me as the Fox every time <laughs> I Sometimes I'd realize who she was talking about. Sometimes
1: I wouldn't because we had just came up with the names. But anyway, right. that box came about. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, this you—I mean, you did this. You did this gig before. Uh, you, you worked, you know, covering the area for the magazine, and you're a writer for Sports Page Weekly. But uh, now, nowadays, you're using your skills as an advocate for legalizing gaming in in Texas, right? So, tell me a little bit about that. In
6: Texas, the poker scene is. From A to Z, you've got so many different, uh, uh, some, some legal, semi-legal, some you've got, uh, poker rooms, which are on the verge of being illegal or legal from week to week because, uh, some of the County, uh, legislators want to shut them down and some of them are leaving them open. And then, uh, you have, uh, of course the neighboring States that have all the gambling you want. So... So, I, I just felt like, um, and I actually wrote a column on this when I was writing for Sports Page Weekly here in Dallas, that uh, we're just losing, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars that are crossing the state lines, and I just think that those dollars could be best spent here for Texas.
5: That
6: so, makes sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it makes so much sense, but there's something, some entity that is just totally against uh, gambling in Texas, although... It is a bit hypocritical because we have scratch offs, we have uh, bingo. There's so many other forms of gambling, but they're just not allowing casino gambling. Right. So uh, whenever I get a chance, I try to 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 promote the legalization of uh, gaming. I think gaming is a better term than gambling, but right. uh, uh, promote legal gaming here in Texas and 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 keep those dollars here at home.
1: That all makes good sense. Uh, you know, it's it's always hard to see when that money is just going across the state lines because it's not like they're not gambling or they're not going to the casino. So, right. Uh, so, uh, tell me about the the poker rooms that are in the area. Do they offer much for the cash game player as far as promotions? Well, right now, uh, here here in the Dallas area, now it differs from.
6: From uh, city to city in Austin, it's full blown legal. They get, they catch no drama from the law. And so, I mean, uh, Doug Polk's even part owner, Uh, I think. uh, Right. Mike, the math, mouth, Mattisow may even be part owner of uh, the lodge uh, there in uh, Austin. But here in Dallas, um, you've got three legal rooms that I know of in Dallas County. One's struggling to stay open because of the legislature. And uh, the other two are I guess their lawyers are better. I don't know how exactly how it's all happening, but <laughs> yeah uh you you paid it you pay a daily fee and then you pay a per hour uh charge to sit, so they don't rake the pot right right so uh those games right there trying to trying to attract players, you know they'll offer some a um incentives uh like you know just waiving the seat fee for an hour or waiving the entry fee. But uh, so so, I guess the promotions they they run the gamut. These card rooms are trying to establish themselves, and they're fighting for the same players. So, yeah, there are promotions at uh, at at the various various card rooms, and 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 they differ depending on how bad they need players. I guess right.
1: Well, what about uh, what about tournaments? Are there a lot of those around you, or is it mostly cash?
6: Yeah, uh, each one of these card rooms have tournaments of some sort. Uh, uh, and, and they promote them on their websites and, but to me, I just can't get past paying to get in and paying to sit. Uh, you're stuck, (laughs) you're stuck, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks, which don't sound like a lot, but you're stuck before you see it firsthand. So, you know, and then you're continuing to pay just for the privilege to play. Right. So, so, um, uh, there, there are plenty of tournaments. They, they run them uh, daily, uh, and some are bigger than others. The bigger promoted ones can have some pretty good payouts, pretty good uh, guarantee. So,
1: good deal. Well, we're gonna come back to you in a few weeks and kind of go over a lot of these tournaments and and what's going on and and even cash games. Who's who's the big winners around there and and all. But uh, before before then, is there anything else? you know, the listeners need to know about the Texas poker scene?
6: I guess to to capture that, um, it's ever evolving. I mean, yeah. it's literally day to day. So uh, the, the poker scene is ever evolving. There's, and there's some guys that just drive up to uh, Oklahoma or Louisiana and play in the casinos. They like that atmosphere better. So it runs the gamut, I guess.
1: Well, the next time we record, let us know how those promotions are going.
6: All right. Thank you, Joe. Great to be with you. All
1: right. Dave Kurta is our ambassador for Arizona, and he's on with us. Hey, Dave, how are you? Good.
7: Glad to be here, Joe.
1: I appreciate all you're doing out there. Listen, to start with, I know we've talked about you're typically a uh, kind of a cash player. Um, my first question to you right out of the gate is, how are you running to start off 2023?
7: Uh, good question. I think my answer would have been different a couple of days ago, but uh, it's been a good start, <laughs> winning most of my sessions. But uh, yesterday, I I flopped the queen high flush, and someone else flopped the nut flush, so that one hurt. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know that'll yeah. happen. But otherwise, pretty good. And it's a, it's a really good time to play here. There's a lot of action. We have the Snowbirds here, the Barrack Jackson car show starting in a few days, and then uh, Super Bowl and the PGA are going to be here the same week. And I think about oh. three weeks from now, and uh, spring training after that. So it's it's a great time in general to play poker out in Arizona.
1: Nice. Uh, have you always lived in Phoenix?
7: No, we've been here about three years. Originally in Chicago, and then moved different place in the U.S. Um, lived around the world as well. But uh, my wife and two sons—they really love it here. We love the weather, and there's pretty much everything we can, everything we want to do is right here.
1: That's perfect. Uh, Well, I, when we had talked before, you mentioned, you know, you get to travel a little bit with your job. So I assume you see the inside of a lot of poker rooms. Uh, where's Where do you see the toughest players?
7: You know, I, I get to Vegas fairly often and I think there's a lot of regs there. I think there's uh, a lot of people bring their A game. So it's not really my favorite place to play. I think there's some good weekends to hit, you know, like Final Four and, of course, WSOP. But in right. general, you know, I'd much rather play in L.A. with all the money and action out there. I, like I said, I'm from the Midwest and I play in a lot of rooms there still. And you find a lot of uh, uh, good regs there. So I, I kind of think the Midwest is the toughest, but haven't played a lot in the Southeast and some other parts. But
1: Gotcha. Well, I mentioned when we started that you, you said you're... A cash game player for the most part, but uh, did you mention to me that your your wife is strictly a tournament player? Is that right? Pretty
7: much, she learned the game when when we met and got married, and she's come up pretty well, and she's she's doing really well in the tournaments. But that's really her game. Uh, yeah, yeah, she really enjoys uh, that that long grind and the mental part of it.
1: Yeah. Do you guys go uh, over strategy very often? Talk talk over hands and whatnot?
7: We will. And we watch, you know, a fair amount of streams during the week and some tournament replays. And we'll talk about some of the hands we see and how we would have played it. Uh, and certainly we'll play cash together a few times, but, uh, whenever of course she's deep in a tournament, we'll always go over, you know, the, the the hands on the bubble and, you know, some interesting spots.
1: Right. that makes sense. That's, that's good. Uh, it's always good to have that in common too. But, uh, I think, We'll start with the cash game scene since that's, that's your, your scene. Uh, what's things like there in Arizona? Are there any big promotions to bring in the cash players near you?
7: Yeah, Talking Stick has some good ones. Uh, they give away, they have a high hand, $100 every 15 minutes on Monday, Wednesday mornings. They call it the graveyard shift. And then they, they give away $250 every 15 minutes on Wednesdays, noon to midnight. And they also do some splash spots on Monday. If your table gets chosen, they'll throw $100 in. And Lone Butte is kind of starting the same program in February. They're going to be giving all uh, giving away $250 every 15 minutes, Tuesday, Wednesdays. And they'll also wow. have hundred dollars splash spots and hot seats on Mondays and Thursdays.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, what about, uh, what about the tournament scene? What's that, what's that look like around you right now?
7: There's a lot of them. And I think it's kind of heating up, um, uh, you know, talking sick is expanding their room and there's talk of some, some big events coming when they, they have a the new room finished, but, uh, Lone Butte is starting a new program they call Player of the Year for 2023. So all the daily tournaments, every entry will contribute $5 to a fund. And then everyone that makes the money gets points depending on where you cash, uh, how high up you cash. And then the top 200 players every four months are going to qualify for an invitational tournament. And the casino is going to add $30,000 to that. So they'll do that three times a year.
1: I like that. That sounds fun. Yeah,
7: yeah. They also have a big 200K guarantee coming up At the end of March, early April, and they're going to be running some satellites in March. Uh, This past weekend, they had their Lone Butte had the Queen of the Desert uh, Ladies Tournament. It was a three hundred fifty dollars buy-in. They had one hundred and thirteen, and was won by a woman named Tarana Saidi for seventy one hundred dollars. My wife, my beautiful wife, went out in fourth. Unfortunately, (laughs) I would have loved to have told you that she won it. Um, and this past weekend Talking Stick also had their staycation tournament where if you sign up for all three tournaments you get a free room for the weekend so they had uh 269 players on Friday for a 43k prize pool and Brent Spencer won that for 6800 Saturday they had 393 players paying $300 for a 102k prize pool and John Hauser won that for 12k and Sunday they also had 357 players and Heatherly Perez won that for 9700 and they're going to repeat that same thing April 21st to 23rd and they also have a tax day promo coming up on April 15th where they're going to add 10k to the prize pool. So there's there's a lot of good action coming up.
1: Yeah, sounds like it's the place to be right now.
7: Yeah, definitely.
1: That's all good stuff out there. We're going to keep checking back with you in a few weeks. We'll we'll come back and See what the scene's like, um, who's won some of those tournaments, and, and what else is going on. But before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to mention before then?
7: Not really. I'll be putting my time into the tables. And you know, if anyone ever is uh, listening to this podcast and wants some, some tips on where to play or what's going on, feel free to reach out.
1: Perfect. We'll talk to you in a few weeks then. Thanks, Joe. It's time for Joe's War. Today's One Outer is in response to a post on our Annie Fans Facebook page by Brian Dangermond. And Brian, if I butchered that, I do apologize, but we are carrying on an Annie Up tradition here. But uh, Brian writes, I've been involved in a home game for about 15 years with players that come and go, but a few core members. For the last six months, I've been in a really bad place. I don't believe in luck or anything similar, but I've been getting it handed to me by the cards over and over again. It doesn't seem to matter how good I am when the money goes in. I get sucked out on all the time. I have losing sessions now about 90% of the time, and it doesn't seem to be against any particular opponent. Is it possible that there is a game dynamic that makes the game impossible for me to beat? The fact that my money is going in almost every time makes me think I'm just on a huge cooler, But sooner or later, I have to admit, maybe it's my gameplay. Okay, Brian, listen. Every poker player has been on a downswing. That's poker. Or at least that's what we tell ourselves. But when a downswing lasts for an outrageous amount of time, what once felt like frustration now starts to feel demoralizing. What's important is to know the difference between running bad and playing bad. When you're running bad, Nothing seems to go right. Your bluffs don't work. You're getting raised every time you bet. And your good hands, they become unplayable by the turn or the river. It becomes playing bad when you start making bad decisions. Throwing good money after bad. Not folding because you gotta hit one eventually, right? That's playing bad. Tilt is a dangerous thing. You can't be present at the table when tilt starts to creep in which leads to more bad decisions, which leads to feeling even more tilted. It's really a vicious cycle. My only advice when things get to that point is to stop playing for a while, but be realistic. Whether you're running bad or playing bad as a result of running bad, it's important to look at your game objectively. You can't always blame your bad results on everyone else's good luck. Sure. Maybe when you got the chips in, you were the mathematical favorite. But what happened before that to lead to the all-in? And not just that hand, but every hand before that. Because they all led you to that all-in moment. If you're honest with yourself, then running bad can actually make you a better poker player. It is part of the game. But if it starts to feel like too much, take a break. And when you come back, come back even more focused. That's today's one-outer, and that's today's show. Thanks to everybody for listening, and until next time, I'll see you at the tables.
0: The Annie Up Podcast is a production of AnnieUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at Podcasts at AnnieUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com